Welcome back. Final hour of the Bill Michaels Show. Enjoying the day today. Uh, time to talk a little Brewers baseball. The bullpen tried to give it away, but the Brewers have won two out of three in a series, and they start the month of September now against the Diamondbacks. Todd Rosiak joining us on the hotline. Todd, how you doing? Hey, what's going on, Bill? So let's start with the question that everybody asks, and I've got my own theory on this. I want to get your theory because I felt like Hayter was starting to come back and pitch a little better. The team was rolling into the month of August, and the wheels came off after the trade. Um, I know some players have spoken out and said, you know, it kind of took the wind out of our sails. It kind of sent the message that the front office didn't believe in us. Uh, Do you believe that the trade of Josh Hayter has triggered – some of the some of the issues the Brewers have encountered over the last four weeks. Uh, I mean, maybe initially, I, I I would give the team a pass for that series in Pittsburgh when the trade was consummated. But after that, um, you know, as David Stearns has said, as Craig Council has said, as many players have said in the clubhouse, it's incumbent on them as professionals to move past it. Trades are part of the business, and whether it's a good friend of yours, a teammate of yours, whatever the case may be, you have to turn the page and you have to do your job. And, um, you know, the Devin Williams video, obviously, everybody remembers that. And, you know, the comments that Eric Blauer made a couple weeks ago, everybody remembers those. But the bottom line is you still have a job to do, and that's to win games. So, um, you know, to blame this current stretch on the Josh Hader trade, I think, is – a little bit disingenuous. I think it just more goes to the fact that they have not been playing good baseball overall in most aspects of the game. So now where do you go from here with a team that is flailing, basically? I mean, I give them credit because when you watch them, they don't look like they've quit. They put a lot into certain innings and such. I mean, late games, they've been failing, you know, obviously in last at-bats. They've been failing. They've been struggling. I mean, the, the obvious is punching us right in the face, and that's the fact that the consistency of the offense has pretty much blown cheese all season long, right? Yeah, the, the offense has been very inconsistent, very home-run reliance, and especially when you get to this time of year, and if you make it into the playoffs, that just does not fly. You have to be able to generate runs, manufacture runs, use small ball. And when the Brewers are so reliant on the home run, uh, you know, that, that aspect of their game just has not been uh, – when, when the home runs are not flying over the fence, that aspect of their game has not been consistent enough to win ball games. And uh, they've, they've done it in stretches since the All-Star break. They've been a little bit better at it uh, lately. But over the course of the entire season, uh, I think it kind of it's been spelled out that uh, unless they're hitting home runs consistently, it's just the offense is too spotty, and you're seeing the results of that right now. What turned around, Keston Hira? Uh, I think it's just more confidence in him from uh, you know Craig Council's standpoint, getting him into the lineup consistently. Uh, him knowing he's going to get pretty regular at bats moving forward. Uh, you know, there's been a lot that's been written and talked about with Keston in the offseason, the changes he made and his, his approach at the plate, his setup at the plate. And obviously those those changes have uh, have paid off for him. And he's, he's one of, if not the team's hottest hitter at this point in time. So, uh, you know, look for the Brewers to continue to try to find ways to keep him in the lineup be a DH, be it a first base, 
you know, maybe an occasional start at second base. Uh, you know, any way you slice it, you've got to keep him in there because he's swinging it so well. What kind of a – because I've always said uh, baseball is a funny game because you can't – until the ball's put in play, it's not like it's an energy game or an adrenaline game or anything. You just kind of roll in momentum. And, and what kind of a shot in the arm did Garrett Mitchell give the Brewers the other night? Yeah, I think a pretty good shot. And uh, even looking beyond the shot in the arm that gave the team, his call-up gave the team, I think it, it kind of reinvigorated the fan base a little bit and pressed the reset button. Because let's be honest, things have been pretty negative around this group since the hater trade. Uh, the way the team has played obviously play, plays a big role in that. But uh, to get some good feelings, to get some excitement around somebody who um, you know, the organization believes is going to be a key piece for them uh, for a long time to come, I think that's pretty cool. And now we kind of wait and see what the next step is here. Uh, the, the team starts in Arizona tonight, four-game series out there. You've got September 1st call-ups. Let's see what they do. I mean, will they go with somebody that we've already seen before, kind of a retread guy, or will they, uh, you know, take a little bit of a gamble and maybe call up a guy like Asturi Ruiz and, and add a little bit more excitement to the uh, to the mix there? So it remains to be seen, but so far so good with Garrett Mitchell, it looks like. I know we talk a lot about exit velocity, launch angle, almost ad nauseum, uh, and it's trying to explain away the inexplicable, the loss of power, the home run hits, the the genuine at-plate presence and threat of Christian Yelich. He's starting to hit the ball a little bit better. He's got the average up to 260. Uh, the OPS is 749. But what has been genuinely his struggle? Uh, it's just continually been hitting the ball on the ground, pulling the ball and hitting the ball on the ground. He's been hitting the ball hard, like you mentioned, but it's been consistently ground balls, and, and those just aren't doing the damage, obviously, uh, that you you get the damage you get when you're hitting the ball over the fence or into the gaps. I think a bright spot uh, recently, along with that, uh, the, the uh, exit velocities that he's been putting up consistently is the fact that he has been raising the ball more and getting it in the air more. Uh, you know, he had the back-to-back days with home runs. He's hitting the balls and the gaps. Uh, so those are all good signs to me. And if he can continue to do that, um, you know, hitting in the leadoff spot like he is, he can be a catalyst. And he's a big part of this whole equation that I was talking about earlier with small ball. You get him on base to start off. And, uh, you know, then you've got Willie Adamas behind him, Hunter Renfro, Keston Hira, Rowdy Tellez. You know, you get a you get a runner on base, two runners on base to work with, and then all of a sudden you're you're you know you're talking a potential rally there. So he's a big part of that. When you talk about guys like Goldschmidt, Freddie Freeman, uh, Jeff McNeil, which very few at bats and such, but you you're not very few, but uh, a very a guy in New York that everybody knows, but not out say on the West Coast, but. You've only got a handful of guys, and I know we don't use average hardly anymore. It's always about OPS, but you got a handful of guys that are batting 300 or better in the in, in the majors. Is offense just in general hard to come by? I, and and I guess we're making excuses at this point because we used to have numerous players, 20, 30 players hitting over 300 that were all vying for 325 or 342 or three, you know, and even God forbid the 400 mark. We're not even close to that right now. Is is that how bad offense is in Major League Baseball? Uh, I mean, it, it speaks to the quality of the pitching. I would say, uh, you know, you get there's obviously always going to be really good starting pitching, 
But then you look beyond that, and every bullpen, it seems like, is trotting out guys who are throwing 97, 98, 99 miles an hour. Typically, those guys are the closers. Now you've got guys who are pitching in the sixth inning, seventh inning, who are throwing that as well. That's a big factor, and uh, it's much more difficult, I think, to uh, to be a consistent hitter in the in the big leagues these days with <clears throat> so many really good arms. And then you hear all the talk about the baseballs, and they're not they're not flying like they were, and teams are using humidors now. There's a bunch of factors, but I think the the bottom line is, and the, and the most important part of that equation is uh, the, the pitching, the relief pitching has just gotten so much better and guys are just throwing so much harder. It's, it's much more difficult to, um, you know, face a guy for three times, a starter for three times. And then all of a sudden you've got a guy coming in who's throwing even harder than the starter was and throwing something completely different and more nasty. So that's just the challenge. It's the ever evolving part of the game. And, in a few years, we may see offense bounce back, and then uh, we're talking about something else. Do you think that baseball, because there's been a lot of talk about moving the mound back because of the lively arms and the and the way they're training? It used to be you'd never lifted weights if you were a pitcher because you didn't want to bulk up, you didn't want to strain your tendons and all that kind of stuff. Now you see these guys in these vigorous training programs and these videos and such of guys working out. Do you think because of this now, baseball is going to say, you know what, we need more offense. We need more action. We need more eyes on our game. And the only way to do that is to create the offense. So do you see them moving the mound back anytime soon? I don't think the mound will be touched anytime soon. I think it'll be other, uh, there'll be other rule changes. You know, we're talking about banning the shift or only allowing the shift in certain circumstances or only allowing certain guys to shift. Uh, you're looking at bigger bases to perhaps uh, encourage more base stealing, those kinds of things. I think that that's a way that baseball will look at, you know, trying to generate a little bit more offense, a little bit more excitement, and you move incrementally from there. And if that doesn't work, then maybe you start talking about moving the mound back a little bit. But I think right now the focus is on those smaller changes. Even even banning the shifts, I think, would really make a difference or uh, drastically curtailing the shifts would make a really big difference uh, in terms of offense and helping teams generate a little bit more. And then also we talk about the time of game stuff. So the pitch clock, that doesn't necessarily play into the offense, but that's another one that's been continually talked about. I think that's a rule change that we will see at the major league level here pretty soon. Do you think that, and, and this is interesting because when you talk about relief pitching being so good, that uh, you hear it all the time. Well, players today can't adjust the way players used to. Like Pete Rose, like Tony Gwynn, like Kirby Puckett's guys that hit for average, guys that hit to get on base, guys that wanted to move runners over, hit behind a guy. That they have to ban the shift because of the inadaptability of players today, or because, like you stated, the bullpens are just so good. You don't have time in that particular pitch at 10 miles more than what they were throwing them 20 years ago on a consistent basis. You don't have time to adjust your capability to hit the baseball? Yeah, I mean, I think it might be a little bit of a mix of both of those things there. Um, you know, the game was so different back when, you know, you mentioned Pete Rose, even Tony Gwynn, guys like that, Kirby Puckett. It was just a much different game than it is now. You know, the, the, the focus is on launch angle. The focus is on trying to hit all runs because the numbers show you that, uh, you know, according to teams, you, you know, you'd much rather hit a three-run home run than try to get two guys on base and try to drive them in that way. So uh, 
you know, the, the shift, banning the shift or curtailing the shift, I think, could play a, a part of a part of in that. Uh, you know, have a little bit of a role in that. I think it's incumbent on players too. Uh, you have to know what kind of player you are, what kind of game uh, you know you bring to the table. You mentioned Jeff McNeil before. There's a guy who does not rely on launch angle. That's a guy who tries to spray the ball around, a guy who tries to get on base, a guy who can steal bases. Uh, you know, maybe we start seeing a little bit more focus on that and that along with, uh, you know, banning the shift or curtailing the shift that could help generate a little bit more offense too. But for right now, it's, uh, you know, it's launch angle or bust for, for better or worse. And in my opinion, it's a little bit of a worse game to watch just because it's either home runs or strikeouts and that gets a little tiresome after a while. Okay, before I let you go, um, I want to ask a little bit about this, uh, you know, kind of chase for the wild card, if you will. So give me your thoughts. Uh, you know, it, they, they're they pretty much out of the division. Six games back with four weeks, three and a half, four weeks left to play. I, I don't think that's possible. I mean, it is, but, you know, it is what it is. That being said, uh, the wild card, if they get in, does this team have the capability to go on that run? Uh, or are we just kind of, you know, as my dad used to say, peeing into a fan? Yeah, it's nice because uh, you're getting all wet and not the yeah, way you want to. It's, it, it, the, the old saying, the old adage in baseball is you just want to get in. Anything can happen. And we've seen it time and time again where a team that, you know, maybe people really don't expect to do much in the postseason all of a sudden catches fire and, and goes on to win the World Series. Look at look at who the Brewers faced in, in two of the last three years, Atlanta last year, Washington in 2019. I don't think either one of those teams are really expected to do much, and they went all the way to win the World Series. So I'm not saying that the Brewers are capable of winning the World Series necessarily or that people should expect that, but the key is just to get in and see and let the chips fall where they may. If you look at the Brewers right now, you know they certainly have the pitching to, to help carry the team through a series, maybe two, uh, but I think then the offense is the, is the thing that ultimately gets you in the end. It's just not proven that proven the uh, proven to be able to carry the team for long stretches as we talked about before in the postseason you've got to be able to generate runs manufacture runs more consistently and uh, you know if, if the Brewers did make it in I have a feeling it would be a lot like that Atlanta series last year where you know you've got one guy like Rowdy who hits a few home runs but other than that uh, you know runs are very tough to come by so Let's just look at this next road trip here. Four in Arizona, three in Colorado. I think this, without being too overdramatic, this could really be kind of a season-defining trip because the Brewers traditionally have not played well uh, in either one of those places. So if they have a losing road trip or you know lose three or four in Arizona and two or three in Colorado, uh, that's, that's really going to put a stake in their hearts, I think. So it's going to be incumbent on them to try to get a winning road trip here play well in Arizona and Colorado and then get home and really try to take advantage of that uh, run of home games they've got in the month of September. Todd, great stuff. Appreciate it, man. A lot of in-depth, knowledgeable stuff for you. Always appreciate your appearance on the program, okay? All right, Bill. Take care. Thanks, pal. Talk to you soon. Todd Rosiak of the Journal Sentinel joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline. Good to get him on board uh, and pick his brain. Some interesting stuff there I want to go back to when we come back from break because I think that uh, some talk about uh, the, the the pitching I think is legit. 
Uh, I want to see what your thoughts are when it comes to this upcoming road trip. Is this the defining? I, I, I've got thoughts on this, and I want to discuss it when we come back. So hang in there. We've got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends over there at New Mail Medical. Treating guys with ED all over the state of Wisconsin. We'll be on the borders as well. And in addition to that, uh, they can help you out not only with ED, which, by the way, they say 98% success rate, but they also have uh, treatments for low T. And if you're tired, if you're moody, if you're sluggish, you can't figure out why, you're like, man, I'm just dragging all the time. Could be, if you're over the age of 30, low T. So uh, make sure you give them a call and get it checked out. It takes you about 15 minutes. That's it, 15 minutes. In, out, and they can maybe change your life in 15 minutes. It's that simple. Check out our friends at New Mel Medical Center. Also, they are the home of the All-in-One Weight Loss Program, and that works. That works. Uh, since I started it and got back at it, and I know it's tough to do, especially in these times, because we're all out running around and we're grabbing dinner and such on the way, like this morning and you know, I'm over a quick trip, but I tried to stay healthy. Got some water, got some tea. But uh, but the All-in-One Weight Loss Program, down in the last two weeks, down like four pounds. So I'm feeling better. I'm not anywhere near what I once was uh, coming back off of the back issues. But it has really helped, and I do recommend it. And I'm back on that program. So call them, 414-455-4451, 414-455-4451, especially coming into the winter months when you're going to be a little more sedentary and going to be hanging out at the house more, sitting in front of fires more, things like that. So give them a buzz. That's the New Mail Medical Center. I want to go back to what Todd Rosiak had to say. And I thought there was some interesting depth there of knowledge, philosophically speaking. And all of this talk about the Brewers, grip it and rip it, home runs. They don't give a damn about average. And, and when I talked about that, this is true. You have got 13 guys in the in Major League Baseball right now, 300 or better. 13, that's it. Usually you're sitting with about 27 to 35 if you go back over the years. Uh, and I know people don't get into average anymore because it's all about OPS. And for the most part, you're, you're correct. Because the higher the OPS, obviously the higher the average, the more runs batted in, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. But... And it takes into account your on-base percentage and slugging percentage, obviously. But um, there is something to be said for guys that hit for average. And when you start to look at the decline of average, the decline of, of total numbers that hit for high average, you kind of step back and you go, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not a brewer's problem. This is a baseball problem. And when Todd Rosiak, it makes you think. I love it when we have discussions that make you think. Because you and I maybe are a little more old school, okay? You know, if you're a new school and you're a sabermetrics cat and and you are just as savage as savage gets over on OPS and you understand it, you get it, you, you live by it, that's what you go with. I understand that and respect that because there is a lot to be said for the statistical averages in that sense. 
But the old school way was just looking at the batting average. Who was hitting what? And I know we get caught up in launch angles and exit velocities. And look at the speed of that ball leaving the ballpark. Look at the speed, how quickly it got down the line. That's great. But the bottom line is you're still an average. You're still a number of at-bats versus the number of times you get a hit versus the number of times you actually get on base in the eye you have. So the average being down across baseball, not just in the Brewers organization, is rather interesting to me. And then when Todd Rosiak put it so succinctly, when you've got a guy that throws 96-97 as a starter and he gets you to the sixth, and then the next guy comes in and throws 98-99 and does it with different junk, right? Different spin, different velocity of spin, different arm angle. You just get used to somebody, and then all of a sudden, because complete games are the thing of the past, okay? Now baseball has morphed into a specialty, right? So now you have to take into consideration the relief pitcher and the closer. Because, I mean, look at what we had for the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, when you have talk about a, a, a seventh-inning guy, a setup guy, a closer, when you're rocking on and you're bringing in Devin Williams and then you're bringing in Josh Hader in their heyday, that's that's devastating. No wonder those averages are going down. Because you're not most teams aren't getting hits late in a ball game to come back and win them. You know? So he's right. That's the reason averages, that's the reason OPS, that's the reason on-base percentage and such is down in baseball. You, it's not just as simple as saying, these hitters can't hit. They can't go the opposite way. I agree with that. But you don't have the time to make an adjustment over a guy that was throwing 87-88 versus a guy that's throwing 97-98. If you've ever stood in front of any batting cage that throws 90 or better, you get a great sense of it. How quick can you react? And you know the ball is coming. You know when it drops down. You see it. Here it comes. There it is. That's 90. Now think of it as a guy that's coming over the top. Maybe he drops down to the side a little bit. Maybe he's coming over the top and he's going to throw you off speed stuff. You know, and he can drop it 7 to 8 to 10 miles an hour. It's not easy when, you know, Randy on the Bud Light live stream says, teach these hitters to do more than just hitting home runs and there's going to be more offense. I understand that. I just don't know at what point. The human mind to the body to the reaction can be changed in the midst of a 90-mile-an-hour pitch from the time the pitcher kicks his leg in delivery to the time the ball comes home. Think about that in the split second that it happens. So my reaction to that is, okay, well, that's fine. Maybe you need more time. So rather than, you know, worrying about pitch clocks and rather than worrying about shifts, maybe eventually it does get to the point where they say, hey, we're going to move the mound back an extra foot, foot and a half, just to give guys that little, eh, that little extra second, half second, split second, microsecond, to be able to kind of witness what it is they're seeing, absorb it, mentally process it, and then react. Maybe then baseball gets more offense. Otherwise, I don't know what they're going to do because it's not trending in that direction. Because pitchers, like I said when we were talking to Todd, it used to be if you were a pitcher that you weren't working out. No, 
new. You weren't working out. Just relax. You've got a slingshot for an arm. God gave that to you. Don't mess with it. If you bulk up, you're going to get too muscular. You're going to tear tendons. You're going to have elbow and shoulder problems. No, don't do that. Now it's being proven just the opposite. Guys are working out. They're stretching. They're doing things like yoga. They're becoming more limber, more flexible. They're, they're moving their joints further and further and further out of, out of the body's norm to make the body uh, adjust to that abnorm, if you will, to get more snap, to get more velocity, to get more rotation, to get more twist. And they're getting better and better and better. I mean, how many – it used to be if you threw 90, you were an anomaly, man. You were crazy. Now everybody throws 92, 95, right? Very few people throw just 87, 88 anymore unless they got unbelievable junk. So I think our way of thinking, and I hate to, I hate to say this, but I think our way of thinking is falling by the old school wayside, and you need to open up your mind to say baseball pitchers have just flat out gotten better and you need to figure out a way to make them worse. That's it. That's it. Whether it's moving the mound back, lowering the mound, um, you know, and the pitch clocks, I, I will say, can get into a pitcher's head, what have you, but there's a, there's a lot there to kind of nosh on when it comes to the world of baseball. 877-867-1670 if you want to hit us up, agree, disagree, what have you. Uh, by all means, chime in. Uh, just kind of sitting out here at Wisconsin Harley-Davidson, enjoying the day, a warm, breezy day here under the tent inside the uh, the Bud Light Sports Bar as everything's going to open up come tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Pit Barbecue. Go to burnpitbbq.com. Burnpitbbq.com. That's burnpitbbq.com. And sauces, rubs, hot sauces, veteran-owned, and right here in the state of Wisconsin. Right here. And uh, they're just great guys. I saw them down at the Fisher House Golf Outing. They were just down there donating time, making pulled pork, and you could put any one of their sauces on it, and they're so good. And the guys are just so unassuming, just really, really good people. Uh, and if you're looking for a great company to buy from, burnpitbbq.com. That is burnpitbbq.com. Uh, 877-867-1670. Uh, let's do this. Let's go back to the phone calls. Talk to Marcus listening to us in Eau Claire. Marcus, how you doing today, man? What's going on? I'm all right, Bill. How you doing? I'm doing great today. What's on your mind, man? Hey man, uh, I just wanted to call because I know the first preseason or first season, first game of football season is tonight. I just wanted to call you and ask you a few questions on uh, what you think about yes. possible NFL rules, NFL rules that could probably make the game better, and if there's any rules that you have inside of your house when it comes to football games. First, I'm gonna hit you with this one. So I got about seven of them. Okay. I'm gonna make it quick. Um, do you think that taunting? Uh, 
being allowed would make the um, uh, NFL game better at all, taunting your opponent? I think if you taunt, uh, it has to – because at what point does it go over the line? You know what I mean? As long as you don't bring anybody's mom or kids into it, I don't have a problem with it. Oh, right. <laughs> right, because, I mean, I know it's not football, but, like, in basketball, you can't do the big – I'm going to say – I don't know what words I can say over the radio, but you know what I'm getting at. There's a certain taunt in basketball that you can't do. Right, taunt, right, right. Okay, so, but, you know, right, so like, right, I right. feel like yeah. people should be able to talk. Um, what do you think about playing until a winner instead of having ties? Love it. Love it. Uh, it's not soccer. Uh, I, I, I am absolutely positively for uh, never ending an NFL game in a tie, ever. I think uh, whether it's you get through a quarter and then you go, I, which I'm not a sudden death fan, but if you go through an entire extra quarter, uh, the way the rules are, then I, I once you get past that, I think that you should never have a tie. I think that there should be some semblance of okay, we do a shootout at the end or something. I don't know, but I, I just I've never been in favor of a tie. All right, um, me either. Um, I'm gonna hit you with one more, and then I'm gonna go over some rules, and I'll be done. I just want to see if you have some of those rules in your house. Um, uh, QBs shouldn't get credit for uh, yak uh, yak by a wide receiver. What do you think about that? Um, boy, that's tough because what happens if, uh, say a guy gets separation, but the, uh, but the quarterback hits him perfectly in stride to lead him at say the 50 and then there's 50 more yards racked up after that. Granted, it's due to the speed of the wide receiver as opposed to a short pass for 50 yards that then the quarterback gets credit for that may be a back shoulder throw. You know what I mean? It yak yak is so tough. It is, man, it's it's so tough. I kind of agree with you because you can throw a quick bubble screen that's a, maybe a zero-yard pass, and it turns into a touchdown, and you get credit for throwing a 93-yard touchdown. You know what I mean? So right. I, I agree with yeah. you to a certain extent. There's got to be a way to figure that out. Right. All right. Um, just real quick, and if you want to comment, because after these, I'm going to be letting you go. Uh, um, okay. So- just a few rules. Just a few rules when it comes to Monday, Thursday, and Sunday night football, morning, evening, afternoon, whatever you want to call it. One rule is: uh, do okay. not call me after eight p.m. on Thursday. Uh, do not call me after eight p.m. on Thursday nights, or after eleven a.m. on Sundays, or seven p.m. on Mondays. Do you agree with that or disagree with that? <laughs> I don't call me if you text me. That gives me the option to look at it or not. But don't call me. I agree with you. Okay, so if it was a text. Should the text only be about, did you see that? Or, you know what I mean, like, uh, that was crazy? Or did you just, basically, did you just see what Tom Brady just did? Or would would we be able to text you other questions that don't pertain to the game? Or do they all have to pertain to the game? Unless a relative or a close friend is dying, yeah, leave it, leave it to the game. And even, th- here's the thing, if you know I'm watching a game, then hell yes, I just saw that. Don't text me that. Text me like a wow so I don't have to respond. And uh, also, just the thumbs up, thumbs down, crazy face emoji should be acceptable. Okay, and uh, after this, I'm going to hang up. And if you don't mind, just commenting on it. When it comes to football games, do you have any rules inside of your house? I don't know if you have kids, wife, or whatnot, but, like, are there certain things that they're not allowed to do while you're watching a football game? Other than that, man, nice talking to you. There is, yes. You the man. Appreciate it. That's good. That's actually deep thinking to a certain extent. 
when I'm watching, it's different when I'm watching a game because I'm actually working. Now, if I'm watching a game that if it's early on in a ball game, not a whole lot going on, maybe they just kicked off and it's, you know, I'm just watching a drive get going, eh, no big deal. But if we're coming down to the last two minutes, an intriguing game, and suddenly that's the point in time you want to come up and start talking to me about a situation, whether it's, oh, by the way, the car tomorrow, I need to take it in for an oil change. Where do I go? No, no, nay, 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 nay. Don't know. Don't do that. Don't do that. Wait till later. That's uh, that's bed talk. That is sitting at the dining table after the fact talk. That's uh, TV timeout talk. That's You can yell that to me through the bathroom door. As I'm doing my business, but yeah, don't uh, don't don't bring that up in the final two minutes of a contest when I'm trying to uh, trying to concentrate on not only watching the end of a game because of sheer excitement, but also because usually I'm kind of working. You know, I'm always making notes. I'm always putting things together. So yeah, don't uh, <laughs> don't you know if you got if it's like hey, my mom and dad are coming to town. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll figure out a place after the game. We'll figure out a place for them to stay. Or they can stay at the house or whatever, you know. Or or just say, hey, they're coming to town. want to let you know. Okay, we're done. Good conversation. That's awesome. You know, or if I need something, you know, hey, can we do this real quick? Yeah, sure. But, uh, but Ben, now are you those people that when your phone goes off during a game, specifically in the last two minutes of an exciting contest, that your first reaction is, oh, I just, I honestly chuck it across the room at that point. Uh, part of it is I watch games. I have streaming stuff, so yeah. I'm a couple seconds behind. I could I, not see, I tell agree. you how many games have gotten ruined because people texted me about something exciting when, you know, I just didn't get to that point yet. So, honestly, my phone is nowhere to be seen at that point. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I, I keep it by me because I do get a lot of updates and stuff, but no, I, I, I would agree with you. I'm... I'm usually, usually, and I, if you text me, it's great because I, I don't answer the phone in a press box. So if I'm in the press box for a home game, I don't answer the phone. I just don't. I'll text, and I'll text at my convenience, but otherwise, because I'm working, but otherwise I don't answer the phone. But when I'm sitting at home, eh, usually I don't answer for calls, but uh, but everybody knows that. So if you if it's impo- if the phone does ring, usually it's really important. I'll tell you this, oh, my goodness. I have really bounced onto something. If I get phone calls, and the phone calls are spam-esque, okay, if the phone calls are spam-esque, then uh, I, uh, I answer right away. I either answer Milwaukee County or Milwaukee Police Department, Milwaukee County Sheriff's Department, and it's click all the time. That's what I've taken up. That's what I've started doing. You know, it says potential spam, and it's from somewhere in Georgia or San Jose, California, or upstate New York. I know it's not anybody I know because everybody I know from those areas usually is in my phone. And I, the first thing I do is, you know, say, hello, Milwaukee County Sheriff's Department. Click, block. I block the number, and that's it. Unless they text me right back saying, hey, Bill, trying to get a hold of you. You know, this is such and such from some radio station that I've never heard of. Usually I'd know. There you go. Sounds fulfilling. To you. When we come back. Yeah, it is, too. And it freaks them out. Freaks them out. Freaks them the hell out. I've actually had somebody go, uh, uh, I see you're on a recorded line and the number is written down. What can I do for you? Uh, uh, yeah, And I've gotten that where they just they, they don't know what to say. And they know they're screwed. But that's what I've started to do. Just a little tip. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We are broadcasting live at Wisconsin Harley-Davidson here on Highway 67 in Oconomowoc, just south of of 94. You can't miss us off the highway.
going to be here today, obviously. Tomorrow on the program, a special one. I'll tell you about it when we come back. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show is next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers held practice, and now we'll have some time off before getting ready for the Vikings. A lot of fans are asking, why did the team only have two running backs on the roster, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, and why were Tyler Goodson and Patrick Taylor cut? Matt LaFleur says that wide receiver Omari Rogers can serve as the number three running back for now. You know, obviously when you have two guys like we have, at that position, you feel very fortunate, and we're excited about the two guys that we, we got back on the practice squad. And then having a guy like Amari gives you a little bit of flexibility if you get into a bind. We definitely feel like we have some flexibility within our roster. Now, the Packers kept seven wide receivers, but they cut a player that Aaron Rodgers said he liked, Jawan Winfrey. So is this like when the Packers cut Jake Kummerow from the team three summers ago? Rodgers says no. These days, he's kept in the loop by GM Brian Gutekinst. There's always conversations between Brian and I. It's definitely not the same as the situation from a couple years ago when I felt like that player was our third best receiver on the team based on his performance in training camp. Um, I thought Jawan had a nice training camp. Um, we know at times it's not a meritocracy. Um, you know, there's extra opportunity for drafted players. That's the way we've done in Green Bay for a long time. And I'm not knocking it because I wasn't very good in my first year either. Brian Gutekinst. Yeah, I would say, you know, Aaron's involvement uh, is much different than it was back then. It's kind of constant. And there's many conversations go on throughout, you know, whenever, whenever he's here, you know. Um, when he was here for the mandatory mini camp, and then even through this training camp, they're pretty constant conversations. Obviously, we, you know, um, he's kind of kept up to date more so maybe than he was back then. That's Packers GM Brian Goodigans in Green Bay. I'm Mike Clemens on the Bill Michaels Show. you don't answer your phone the phone has been blowing up today and a lot of it is details just for uh, what's going on this weekend with the motorcycle ride and we're really looking forward to it and again i can't ask you enough uh, if you're following on the bud light live stream or you're listening to us uh, you can scan the qr code and go right to the registration or simply go to fisherhousewi.org that's fisherhousewi.org and uh, go ahead and get uh, click on the events page and then the motorcycle ride and get registered. And uh, we are, uh, man, we're really doing well. And I can't say thanks enough to everybody that's uh, joining in. But the registration will close at noon on Saturday. Noon on Saturday. So please, please, please get pre-registered. And that is your only way to get registered, for not for the ride, but your only way to get registered for the pre-registration prize package. Otherwise, you can still show up on Sunday because I get a lot of those questions, too. You can still show up and get registered and looking forward to it. Um, by the way, big night tonight if you're in Madison, out in Sun Prairie. Oh, oh no, excuse me, excuse me. In Eau Claire. You're in Eau Claire tonight, Zach? Or uh, a band with Zach? I'm in Sun Prairie. I'm thinking about, I, I don't know. Eau Claire's on my mind. Marcus I'm, is in my head. Okay, I don't. I was going to say, because I, th- I thought you were in Sun Prairie. Sun but Prairie, yes. Then I looked down, you said Eau Claire, and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. So 
tonight you guys are going to be on uh, on site in Sun Prairie at Monks hanging out tonight, right? Yeah, previewing uh, Kenny and Heilprin, previewing Wisconsin-Illinois State. Uh, a lot of talk about the backup quarterback situation, which is kind of weird and interesting as things stand. And then uh, just overall week one preview, uh, as you have said and understood by now this is a it's a big time in the kenny household right yeah well you're you're completely geeked i get that and uh i you know tonight is going to be uh, maybe a, a multi-pants night for one young ben kenny whether it's doing the show or heading back home or just watching football so looking forward to that so uh you've never been to monks from what I understand, right? I have not. Correct. I'm excited. I've heard amazing things, appetizers, happy hour specials, all those things. But no, I've, I've never been to Sun Prairie at all, so I'm pumped. I have to admit, I have never had the cheese curds at Monk's. And Ebo raves around about them, so i got to try that. I know there's a couple of places in this state that makes really, really, really good cheese curds. And he swears by Monk's, so I'm going to have to stop there and check, but... I yeah. have not had the cheese curds at Monks. So, yeah, tonight you got Brewers baseball, uh, and they're on the road. They're in Arizona, and as Todd Rosiak alluded to, between Arizona and Colorado, they have not done very well there. So that's going on. And then college football getting underway tonight. Uh, I hope you guys get a good crowd out there at Monks this evening for that. Uh, is is Monks, like, uh, now taking standing room only, and they've sold out of tickets, and, and it's crazy for the uh, Kenny and Halpern show? I cannot confirm nor deny, though I can say it's a bad night to be a beer in that establishment. <laughs> Beers will not last inside Monks coming up later on tonight. Tomorrow on the show, it is going to be great. I, I don't know if we're going to be set up back here because of the technical issues that we had today. We might do it inside, but tomorrow... Uh, I know, and it's now all confirmed and good to go. I've been previewing it, but Mike Wangram, uh, Wangren is going to be here from the band Disturbed. And uh, a lot of fans are disturbed. I know they played uh, the major theater, the large theater, American Family Theater, at Summerfest this year. Jackal, who is also doing some stuff on tour with them now, uh, Je- Jesse James Dupree is going to be here. I, as a matter of fact, he, t- he was one of the guys that texted me during the show today. Jesse just got into town not that long ago. So he's looking forward to coming out tomorrow. So both of those guys going to be on the air with us tomorrow. We could have a special guest that could join us tomorrow, too. I was told that maybe one of the uh, the royalty Davidsons might show up tomorrow. So we shall see. Uh, Mike Clemens is going to be here appearance and uh, getting you ready for the weekend and a weekend of football and what's going to do also uh we'll talk uh, a little bit with matt mitchell uh he's going to be joining us brad biggs brad biggs tomorrow i love bigsy bigsy covers the uh, chicago bears as we wrap up our look around the nfc north we got that going on so we had paul allen uh dan miller paul allen the voice of the vikings dan miller the voice of the the lions and now the aficionado Brad Biggs is going to join us tomorrow. So we got a, we're got we action-packed live out here at Wisconsin Harley-Davidson tomorrow. I love it. Good stuff. Thanks thanks to the staff and management here. Thanks to Whitney, who really kind of coordinates all of this. Uh, Craig Winger, the general manager out here. Robert, the owner. I mean, thanks to everybody for uh, helping us out and working with us out here at Wisconsin Harley-Davidson and wanting us out here at Wisconsin Harley-Davidson. Can't emphasize it enough. If you ride or know someone who does, please get them registered. FisherHouse.org. 
go to the events page, scroll down, click on the link, and then scroll down and get pre-registered. There you go. That'll do it. Time for us to get out of here. Hopefully you have a great day. Have a going. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.